to take it one step further, then went, you know, got in his car, went to the local bagel shop, bought 12 poppy seed bagels, came back home, ate 12 poppy seed bagels, (gasps) and went to get a blood test. I'm Bryce, this is Plastic Urns, and that bagel story, that was Heather describing her dad. Heather is a master of many things. She's a DJ, a photographer, a furiously fast runner, and even works as a venture capitalist. Now, back to the bagels. My favorite story is um, my brother started using drugs pretty young, and he... Uh, was kicked out of like literally 5,000 schools and finally went to what we thought was an unkickable out of bull school, <laughs> if that's even a thing, in like Switzerland, um, <laughs> where you just like send kids to like graduate, like <laughs> by any means. Well, he was kicked out of there after five months because they found, I, I don't know if it was like heroin or cocaine or something in his system. Um, five months into being there and calls my dad and he goes, dad, like, I don't know why they're doing this. It's like, I didn't take drugs. And my dad's like, what do you mean you didn't take drugs? He's like, yeah, I ate a poppy seed bagel. Cause I can't, apparently it's like a derivative shows how much I know about drugs. Um, (laughs) so my dad calls the school and is just like, he was the kind of person who would just like, you said something, he would like go to bat for you. Like, There's no fucking way my brother ate a poppy seed bagel and it showed up on a drug test, right? (laughs) But like went to bat for him at the school. Like, how could you do this? He ate a poppy seed bagel. Like, this is ridiculous. To take it one step further, then went, you know, got in his car, went to the local bagel shop, bought 12 poppy seed bagels, came back home, ate 12 poppy seed bagels (gasps) and went to get a blood test. It's just like, needless to say, I think it like showed a moderate amount of whatever that drug is that shows up positive. Um, And yeah, that's the kind of parenting that I uh, grew up with from my dad's side. Unlike my parents, who had fairly long lead-ins to their deaths, Heather's dad did not. I can't imagine. Um, Mine was like from one day to the next. Like he, I mean, should I tell the story? Are you comfortable telling the story? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, tell Um, the story. So he... Like, this feels in some way, I don't know, I'm going to divert for a second, but this feels like so self-indulgent. I feel like for a long time, I would like, you know, you get the first few months and everyone's asking how you're doing. It's like on top of everyone's mind. And then people leave and you're still stuck with the grief, right? And so like, I don't know, I would find myself like constantly referencing him in conversations to the point where I felt like, are my friends getting annoyed about how much I'm referencing my dad? Yeah. Um, and then I would feel like cautious about not doing it too much. And then I was like, fuck it. Like, you know what? I'm going to do it however much I want. Um, but yeah, then you just, I don't know. I feel like at this point, it just feels like an indulgence to just be able to talk about him. And like, I love it. Like the way it happened was it was March 23rd, 2018. Yeah, March 23rd, 2018. I was 23 years old. I was living in London at the time. I had just moved there uh, about three months prior. And 
I would call him. So mind you, London is five hours ahead of New York. And I would call him at like literally all hours of the day. And he would somehow always pick up. Like I used to joke that if he were at in court, he would pick up the phone. <laughs> um, I mean, in business meetings, like negotiating deals, like in the hospital, like any time ever, he would pick up the phone. Um, and so I called him that morning on my way to work. It was probably, I don't know, 5 a.m. his time. He was in bed next to my mom and just like picks up the phone and is groggy and just says like, hi, how are you doing? Have a good day. Love you. Miss you. He signed every text with like 10,000 X's and O's. <laughs> um, anyway, like just the most loving person ever. I guess I was blessed to have like this amazing last moment with him just on the way to work and then go to work, do my job. My sister was actually visiting London at the time, which was a weird coincidence. Interesting. She um, was on a train coming back from Oxford to London. And I was like, we were supposed to eat dinner with my best friend in London and uh, her roommate at a restaurant. And I was working pretty late. It was like 10 p.m. And we were going to have dinner at, I don't know, maybe 1030 or something. And I call my mom randomly because I had some downtime and I was waiting for my sister and I was at the office and I like never call my mom at 1030 at night when I'm like about to go out. But I called her and she said, uh, sweetie, hey, I have to go. The cops showed up at the house. They said that dad's in the hospital. And then I was like, what? Like they're like, yeah, yeah. They, he said that they like that he was in some sort of accident. And then she said, it's weird because they should just call. I don't know why they just showed up at the house. And I was like, that's weird. And she's like, I have to go. I have to go. And so then I'm like, I guess I am a pretty anxious person, but I'm not like super obsessive and diligent where I like I need to find like detective style answers to things. But for some reason, something clicked on me and I was like, something doesn't feel right about this. So I just randomly start calling hospitals in the area being like, hey, is around? Like, does, did he show up in the emergency room five minutes ago? And then I finally get to uh, the hospital in our hometown, and uh, they're like, yes, he's in the room with the doctor. Um, and I'm like, great, can I speak to him? He's like, no, he's still in the room with the doctor. And I was like, well, can I speak to the doctor? And they just kept, like, sidetracking or, like, you know, avoiding something. And I was like, what is happening here? And, you know, like, I just – and then I got angry. I was like, I just want to fucking speak to the doctor, like – come on, let's go. Like, I have the right to speak to the doctor. I don't even know if I do legally or not, but I, like, <laughs> I have the right to speak to the doctor. And then they're like, you know what? Like, why don't we call you back when the doctor's out of the room? And I'm like, no, I'm actually going to stay on the phone and just wait here and like waste your time until the doctor comes out of the room. And so I'm like being super bitchy. And then finally, like 10 minutes, what felt like five hours, but probably was like 30 seconds later, the doctor comes out and I'm, I will never forget it. I was sitting in a chair in a conference room in pitch black because I was trying to hide from the other people at the office at 1030 PM at night, which is just anyway. Um, I was sitting in the conference room in pitch black and doctor goes on the phone and she goes, I'm so sorry, your dad died. Or I forget how she worded it, but I just poof, like bawled for 20 minutes straight. And I was like, I just remember screaming, no, 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 like a thousand times over. And then finally, you know, probably realistically five minutes, 10 minutes later, I like kind of got my composure and yeah, then called my mom. And luckily she had found out 
from the doctor because she showed up at the hospital. And so I didn't have to be the one to tell her. Mm -hmm. um, and then we kind of talked for five minutes. She then had to like go answer a million, trillion, gazillion different questions about like, you know, organ donation. And that's a whole other story, which I could tell. Um, and then I had to tell my sister who was on the way back from London. And so I called her and I said, she goes, what's up? I go, uh, you're going to have to come back to the office right now. Um, dad died. And then she just like almost passed out on the train. And then, yeah, the next day we like came back to the States and had the funeral and everything. But there's like so many side stories I could go into. Okay, the organ donation part was crazy. Yeah. Crazy. I don't know if your parents were organ donors. Um, I think when you have that aggressive of cancer. They're like, it's they're, all they're like, we don't want to deal with Check this. It. Yeah. They have like a limited amount of time before they can like harvest the organs and like give them to someone else, right? Mm -hmm. And so immediately post-passing, they need to basically figure out whether the organs are healthy to donate. And so they have someone come in like five minutes after <sighs> you've heard that your loved one has passed to ask you a list of probably, you know, three hours worth of questions oh, Jesus. about their life history, oh, like God. to the detail of did he ever eat a hamburger in Germany between the years of like 1974, 1982, <laughs> because there may have been mad cow disease in like Bavaria. <laughs> and it's like, I'm literally like looking, I mean, I wasn't there. This is my mother's story, but she's like, I'm literally looking at this like, you know, still warm body of my husband. And you're asking me if he like traveled to Thailand as a teenager. Like, <laughs> why? I wasn't even alive. Like, it's insane. Anyway, long story short is four hours later, they basically ended up saying, yeah, your husband traveled too much and we can't harvest any of the organs. But thanks for the conversation. But thanks for the conversation. Exactly. I'm like, that sounds just so unnecessary. So unnecessary. Yeah. Um. So you tell your sister. Yeah. She's now like bawling on a train yeah. in a foreign country <laughs> where she doesn't know anyone. Totally. You're bawling in. We're all just bawling separately. Yeah. You're crying. So I guess. In the office. Yeah, and did anyone come and be like. No. Oh, my God. Of course not. And is this in a. In the office? Forget. No. I no, presume no. people could hear you. You know, I don't know. I mean, it was a Friday night. So there wasn't that many people, but there were a few. When I left the conference room, I looked like I had been to war. And I just remember being like, I got to get out of here as fast as possible so people don't see me. Having no lead up to it is of, is entirely foreign. So I can only imagine. You, I, I cry on planes at times around random shit. Like, <laughs> what do you like on a fucking flight back, like a continental flight back from, or intercontinental flight from yeah. London to New York being like, going back home to not see my dad and Yeah, go to that was crazy. So the flight... It was just like I felt dead inside and I was like sitting next to my sister and we were just like ugh. booking flights to go to your dad's funeral the day you found out he died oh, for like three hours later. It's just like shitty. Like it's just not fun. And then you get home and you're like, you know, when you get home and like everyone's happy to see you and everyone's smiling and hugging and like they have cakes out. It's like the opposite of that. It's like everyone's <laughs> just like, uh -huh. So Heather comes home to a disappointing amount of cakes and then gets to play everyone's favorite game, going to the funeral home. So we had a plot 
Or did we have a plot? No, we didn't even have plots. We had to go buy plots, which is a whole discussion of who wants to be buried where, where are we going to place him within the five plots that we bought, which, by the way, are fucking expensive. Wait, hold on. You bought five plots? We bought five plots. For? For, for like, everyone else who's going to eventually die. Like, that's the other weird thing. Like, there's so a plot for my mom. Families. I'm one of those families. I wow. Know crazy right which also doesn't make sense because my mom always says that she wants to be buried in israel so i don't know we bought her a plot maybe it's just like investing in real estate well with the prices in new york (laughs) someone's gonna build a building here one day um yeah so we we bought five plots for one of those families um but then there's like you know the positioning of the plots do we put them all in a line do we do three and two and then if we do three and two where do we put my dad does do we want to bury him next to my brother or next to my mom or next to here or there blah, blah, blah. there's like so many permutations of how like positioning of burying and then like i didn't know this but apparently like different plots within a cemetery cost more or less like if you're closer to a pretty tree it costs more. <laughs> or if you're like on the outskirts near the swamp, it costs less. And I'm sitting here thinking like, Jesus Christ, I'm going to leave really detailed notes for my kids to just like throw my body in the river. Like, I don't want you spending a penny on like putting me next to a cherry tree. Like, forget it. Like, there's just like, buy yourself something nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, that like, that was weird. And then we go into this funeral home. And there's, like, all of these costs. So after someone dies to the point of burial, you're not allowed to leave the body alone because you're supposed to, like, keep someone with it as the soul transfers to heaven or wherever it goes. Um, And you have to pay for someone to be with the body, like, for the full 48 hours. As a quick aside, having someone sit with the body is a practice in Judaism. And you so th- there's literally can't someone just be like a friend like sleeping in the room. No, it's like someone whose job it is to like sit there. So yeah, there's that and then you go into this room of like caskets. And they're like, here's the cheap just box that like Bryce could have put together. And so yeah, here's this box for like $800 and then let's like you know, upgrade. There's like refrigerated boxes, basically, where like if you wanted to pull your dad out 50 years later, he'd be pristinely conditioned, like perfect. (laughs) I'm like, that's also really creepy. I was given the option to see him uh, before they closed the casket. And I was just like, I don't want to remember my dad Mm -hmm. as that. Yeah. Um, As that, as you know, seeing him having never seen a dead body before in like a in a box without with makeup on or without makeup on or whatever however they presented him and so i chose not to there's like this weird morbid probably cryptic part of me that kind of wants to know what a dead body looks like but knock on wood i don't have to see one soon wait have you ever seen a dead body oh yeah have you parents yeah so my mom died at 5 a.m Okay. And I was sleeping in her house at the time. Like, we had palliatively sedated her. Wow. And so I was sleeping in the house because I knew she was going to die soon. Mm-hmm. She dies at 5. We had a caregiver there at the time. He comes, wakes me up at, like, 5.05, being like, your mom just died. I go to see her body expecting this, like, no, I can still feel her. I yeah, can't, like, go. Yeah, the warmth. It's, like, I've never felt something so lifeless. Wow. I, I don't know how to, like, when you touch a tree or when you touch a person, you can feel its energy. Yeah. 
this was like the single deadest thing I had felt. It was like she she's gone. This is just like a lifeless sack. Like there is no more energy to this thing. When my dad died, uh, he was on like the main floor of the house watching TV. My brother, sister, and I, uh, who are on my dad's side, not my mom's, Mm -hmm. we were downstairs watching TV, and like his uh, healer, for lack of a better term, was there, like rubbing his head the moment he died. She comes downstairs. She's like, "I think he's dead." Um, we come back up, and like I think she's checking for a pulse, and I just kind of touched, and I was like, "No, no, he's dead." Like this is the exact same thing of like. All energy is devoid yeah. of this thing. This is just like lifeless cask. Does that make being. you more spiritual? I think so. It's it's like almost comforting because you're like, oh, like there's nothing here. Yeah, like soul is left. Like there, it's just like I've heard that before. It's just sack of thing. I've heard that before that it's comforting to see it because you realize that like they are not that body. Yeah. Um, and the one thing I have thought is, you know, like. For anyone, like myself included at points in my life that has struggled with like body image or any of these things, you come to realize that like it's literally just a vehicle Mm -hmm. and it's like not who they are. And so that's why I always found I actually haven't been to the cemetery since he passed. Interesting. Because it's like to me, that's not him. It's just this like vehicle he used to like be himself in this world. That's not who he is. Who he is is somewhere else. And I don't know about energies or, you know, him being, you know, around or not. Um, But I can tell you one thing. He's certainly not at that cemetery (laughs) under the cherry tree. So. Heather and her family go to the funeral home. They spend too much. They try to leave as fast as they can. The usual. Next up, the eulogy. Everyone was like writing their speeches. We had like the whole day at home. This is actually coming back to your first question about so you get home and what's it like. Like we were all just kind of in our separate rooms writing our speeches. My mom is notorious for not writing speeches and just like speaking from the heart and somehow it being flawless. Um, I can't do that. So I wanted to prep. And so I go to my bathroom. I'm sitting in the bathtub with pen and paper and like trying to just like write shit. Was there water in the bathtub? No, there was no water in the bathtub. I was fully clothed and I was just like, I want to be depressed right now. And so (laughs) I'm like sitting in this bathtub with pen and paper trying to write shit. And like it all just sounds cheesy and lame. And you're just like, how am I supposed to, you know, amalgamate like 70 years of life and 23 years of like fatherhood to me? in maximum five minutes like that just seems cheap you know and so i'm sitting there and eventually i'm just like fuck this i'm not gonna like write about like what he meant to me or how great of a father he was because everyone who writes a eulogy about their father says that they're the best father in the world so i'm just like no i'm not gonna say that and so what i ended up speaking about were the Things that within the kind of like, you know, first 48 hours of his passing would like the tactical things that I missed the most about him or the like the memories that came to mind and not the like he, you know, I don't know, would always show up at my tennis matches or like things like that. But like just like the little things and I will never forget them. So like the one there was two things that like always 
kind of resurfaced in my mind, or I should say in my mind's eye when like after he passed. And the first one was whenever he would think, he would like rub his fingers together. Like, I don't know if you can hear this on the microphone, but like, yeah, you know, like that. And it would drive me crazy because I needed silence and I would just hear his <laughs> fingers rubbing and it was so fucking annoying. <laughs> and I just like craved hearing those fingers, you know, for like, like I don't know from five minutes after I found out he passed away to like honestly today it was just like I just want to hear that because like that is a trigger for him gonna like about to say something really fucking cool you know and yeah that was the first thing I spoke about and then the second one is he had this uh green everyone used to say he used to dress in oatmeal colors um <laughs> like he would always wear suits that were like these like weird shades of like baby vomit <laughs> and like pea soup um I don't know, weird, but um, <laughs> he had these like polo t-shirts that were uh, olive colored and he would let me like as a kid basically use them as a like a tissue or like just everything around the experience I had like seeing him in those t-shirts like that was another thing I thought about and just like I actually have one of those t-shirts now at home but yeah just like those memories of him in the t-shirts but I don't know. Yeah, they're good. <laughs> the baby vomit green does well as a color for children's snot. I was going to say, like, it definitely, I, my mom used to get so mad. She's like, you're ruining your shirts. And it was like the best. I just like <laughs> would blow my nose into them. Or like when I was sweaty after tennis practice, just like wipe my face on them. <laughs> um, yeah. Heather went through the usual motions of the funeral, the eulogy, the awkwardness. And then in the calmness, thoughts start to creep in. And I think there's a trait that everyone who lost a parent before their wedding shares. Worst experience ever. Oh my God. I went, ugh. the thing that, there's two parts that kill me. And I wonder if, yeah. Have you been to a wedding since? Yeah. So my mom died. Yeah. Uh, week and a half later, her funeral in San Francisco. Week after that, funeral in Chicago. Oh God. Next week, or sorry, in between the week after that, uh, one of my best friends gets engaged. Ugh. That we- weekend. So again, third weekend. I had a wedding. I was in the wedding. I was a groomsman no. in the wedding. So it was like this own oh, shitty so version awful. of like, what is it? Three weddings and a funeral, Four, except two five, funerals. Ten, and yeah. Um, so that was, oh my God. that was fun. Anyway. That's awful. Yeah. I, I really hate weddings. I, <laughs> I would like to never get married, but maybe not. Uh, I don't want to <laughs> jinx it. Um, it's just, there's two things. Walking down the aisle with your dad or like the, you know, father walking you down the aisle, that kills me. But worse, like worse than anything is uh, father-daughter dance. Like that just, I can't, I can't watch them anymore. And like, I actually, the last wedding I went to, I forget where it was or whose it was, but um, I finally got through one without crying and without like looking away. But my dad and I had our dance picked out since oh, I was gosh. like literally seven. And I would be like in, you know, on the floor of the kitchen with my bare feet, like standing over his dress shoes, like practicing the dance oh, with him. Gosh. And like put it in context, it was the dance was to a song called Boom Shakalaka. Like, <laughs> it's just literally the most ridiculous thing. You should look it up. It's, <laughs> yeah, that's just so appropriate for my dad and our relationship. It was this ridiculous song and we had like this whole dance figured out and like had planned it to like the beat. And then, yeah, father-daughter dances kill me. It's just, uh, 
It's just like, I don't know what it's going to be like on my wedding day where it's like, I can't do that, you know, and that fucking sucks. And like, there's just going to, I worry that there's going to be this like cloud of gray over this, like what's supposed to be your best day ever, like your happiest moment ever. And it's like, it's going to be so fucking obvious he's not there, which is like, fuck, but you know, it's life. I think it'll be okay. Right. I I, I think I use it as a tool to cry where it's like, I'm feeling emotional. How do I get a, a good cry in? I know. Let me think about like you when just, I like, want to have the my list. Parents. Boom. Wedding. Wedding. Um, baby being born. Like <laughs> all of the things. Yeah. I remember when I quit uh, my first job, he used to tell me I was going to be CEO of the company. And he was like, you're going to run this firm one day. And when I quit, I was like, I just really want to fucking tell him I quit. And I couldn't. And yeah, it's those things where you miss them the most. But. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not spiritual or anything, but sometimes I think like they have to know somehow. This was part one of our conversation with Heather. Get stoked for next week when Heather explains how confusing it is to be a woman at your father's funeral trying to balance how good to look. Thank you so much to Heather, my creative partner, Brian Pedersen, for the support, and to Coco Brudden for the music. As always, tell your friends about us, do cool things, and... If you liked it, give us a review wherever you listen. Thanks.